May I speak to you in the name and the love and the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you knew that you had limited time, maybe months, weeks, days, and hours, what would you do? And I realize for some of this, this may not be a mere hypothetical. What would you want your last act, your, your final act, to be? Well, today, Jesus is faced precisely with this question. We read that now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world. And what does he do? He gathers his friends for a meal. And during supper, he gets up from the table and ties a towel around himself and pours water into a basin and then, of course, begins to wash his disciples' feet. Now, this is an act, an expression of love, of tenderness, of an almost inhuman degree of humility. And it was common hospitality in the ancient world to have uh, foot washing stations or basins like we have set out here uh, provided for guests, if you were, you were hosting guests in your home. Um, but what a host would never do is actually do the washing themselves. This would be something maybe only a slave would do. But of course, Jesus is no ordinary host. He is the Messiah, the true king of God's people. And not only that, but we confess him to be God of the universe, the creator spirit become flesh and blood. So we have the Messiah washing the dirty feet of his ragtag group of friends, including Judas, who betrays him. Now, I don't think this is how kings and gods are expected to act. It's a little surprise, then, that Simon Peter objects to this. He says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? You will never wash me. But of course, Jesus is no ordinary king and no ordinary God. John's Gospel gives us a window into Jesus' thoughts, his, his state of mind as he gets up to do this foot washing. Uh, John writes that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up and washed his disciples' feet. So this seems to be telling us that it is not despite Jesus' divine nature, but precisely because of it that he washes the feet of his friends. And we've all heard it said before that God is love. And Jesus shows us here that at the heart of this love is profound humility, a willingness to get low to the ground. That's literally what humility means. Uh, a willingness to take the last place, to serve rather than merely be served. Of course, Jesus doesn't just offer this kind of humility to his friends and disciples. He calls us to follow him in this way of humility and love. He said to them, do you know what I have done to you? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example, that you should also do as I have done to you. For this is what it means to live in harmony with God. And if God is life, if God is like ultimate reality, then to live in tune with God is to really live. Now, if this weren't clear enough, Jesus goes on to say, Little children, I am with you only a little longer. So I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. By this, everyone you will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So this sounds pretty good, right? But um, I might file this under easier said than done. Because love, of course, can't really be forced. It's not exactly like a switch we can flip on or a button we can press. When we try to love by an act of, of force or of will, we, we might appear loving on the outside and, and do some good things for people that are, are worth, you know, acknowledging. But, but this runs the risk of, of reinforcing uh, uh, certain shadow qualities like resentment and self-righteousness. It seems then that love must really come from the heart if, if it is to be genuine. It can't really be forced, even, even with the very best of intentions. So if we are to fulfill Jesus' commandment to love one another as Jesus loved us first, it seems that, that we must become the kinds of people who are capable of loving like Jesus. People who, yes, can give love, but just as, as importantly, people who can really receive love. We are natural lovers. God dwells in each of us, and we are made in the divine image. We were made by love and, and for love. But so much in our world and in our lives gets in the way and blocks the outpouring of love uh, from the center of our being. Things like ego, pride, fear, and sometimes just plain old forgetfulness. And so this is a big part of, of why we gather, to be cleansed of the sort of psychic soot and contamination that just inevitably builds up in the course of our lives. We gather to be cleansed and to be formed into people who love like Jesus, or as one New Testament writer puts it, to grow into the full stature of Christ. Because Jesus, of course, calls us to be disciples, not just mere believers. So let us never stop gathering in Jesus' name, as God's people, as Christ's body, fed and formed around his altar with the meal that he gave us, which, of course, is his very life, his body, given for the life of the world. Because all of us, of course, have limited time. And life is too short for anything other than to lay hold of the unlimited love that is offered to each and every one of us. Amen.